My name is L.A. Marzulli. This is Dr. Aaron Judkins. This is Trey Smith. This is Ryan Peterson. This is Dr. Joe Burton. This is Timothy Albrino. This is Derek Gilbert, and you're listening to The Dig Bible Podcast. Glad you made it. Come along for the ride as we search for hidden truth, explore historical context, and dig into God's Word to help us understand the past, present, and future of this supernatural world. This is Steve, along with Justin and Ben, and you are listening to the Dig Bible Podcast. What's going on, all my local guys and gals, and those long-distance pals? We're back. Look who it is, everybody. He's, he, he's back. <laughs> oh, wait. I'm back. Yeah, close. Yeah. He is back. He's back. <laughs> I can't. Back in the saddle again. Yeah. Something like I can't remember how it goes. Yeah. See, I want to go high like that. I want to go Aerosmith. Yeah. Back in the saddle again. Yeah, yeah, that's the song. Yeah. Sounds just like him. I missed my opportunity of the music career. You're calling us. Is that what it was? <laughs> oh, probably. And now you just stuck with us. Yeah, I'm sorry. Well, I've been out. Whose turn is it to pray? You've been out, so you get to pray. No, I prayed last time. I, last time was my first time back. All right, I'll pray. All right then. Okay, I'll pray. Now go what, ahead. What the <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Dear Lord, thank you for everything you've given us. Thank you for the chance for us to be together and fellowship together and, and look more into your word and, and just please help us continue to grow in our faith. Help us reach that one person that needs to hear um, what we can pull out of God's word today and, and help God reach that person and, and strengthen their faith. Just continue to bless us, bless this whole podcast and everything else that we're doing for your glory. It's not for us, Lord, it's for you. And please... Like I said, help it reach as many people as possible. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, moving on. I know uh, we uh, were in Acts for a little while with the Bible study. Um, I love Acts. I always will love Acts. It's still one of my favorite books of the Bible. I think we all have different favorite ones. I think Justin's favorite is probably Genesis, and there's a lot of great stuff in there. Um, Ben's favorites maybe Jude because it's the shortest. But <laughs> uh, uh, no, you're wrong. What is it then? Maps. <laughs> the map section <laughs> has no words, only pictures, and it's like four pages long. <laughs> Boom. That shouldn't be so funny. Oh. I was about to use a Big Daddy uh, reference. That's great. Be nice to the delivery guy. <laughs> anyway. You be okay over there? <laughs> Steve's crying. Good. That was funny. <laughs> anyway, um, we're going to jump into Judges now. And I think kind of the pattern that we're going we're gonna to try to do going forward is we'll do, we don't want to ignore any part of the Bible, so we'll jump Old Testament, New Testament, Old Testament, New Testament, back and forth. So we kind of hit a little bit of everything and um, not necessarily in any particular order. When are we doing maps? <laughs> Can we do them next? I mean, it's part of the New Testament. It's, it's in the in, back. It's in the back. You're right. Yeah, so. 
Actually, to be honest, at some point we do need to break down some. Um, we talked about some sacred geography and some some. Um, I think that'd be kind of cool to. Via Morris. Well, we did a little Valley bit. Valley of the Shadow of Death. Well, that that would be cool. But we did a little bit of the, with with like Paul's journeys, talking about where he went and the different cities and why that mattered and, and some things when we talked about Acts. But I think really looking into some of the biblical, um, you know, uh, in relation, like if you get some of that geography, sometimes some things make more sense. You know, we talk about, and Derek talked about not just that, but he talks about um, Peneus, you know, at, at um, you know, the bottom of Mount Hermon and talking about where, you know, they believe that was the gates of hell and, and things of this nature and, there's a lot of really interesting things that when you put all the geography together, the way it correlates, it just adds to the storyline. It adds to the, the truth and it makes it that much more, um, it, it makes it easier to understand everything because it all makes sense. So um, I think that's something we'll get into in the future uh, a little more. So maybe we will do maps. But um, as of right now, we're going to start with Judges which is actually kind of an interesting story. And, and when you really get into it, I think you can see how, and you'll see, and we'll talk about it as we go along, but how you can see how this, the way that, that God is, the way that God, you know, expects our devotion, our, our love, our admiration. And he doesn't want to share it with idols or pagan gods or things of this nature and you'll see how some of this stuff does really apply to us today still at that time i think we always have to look at it through the eyes of the writers and the people they were writing to but there's always there's a reason it's in there there's something for us to pull out there's something for us to to learn from and there's something for us to take and apply to our lives too so i think it's important to always jump in there and i know each one of us will jump in when we see it as uh something that speaks to us but um anybody want to start out ben you think i got dotes <laughs> you actually do. i do you do okay so judges chapter one so hold on to what whatever you you got to hold on to so Yep, not your hair, because there ain't none there, big boy. <laughs> so, um, it says, the verse 1, it says, After the death of Joshua, the Israelites asked the Lord which tribe would go first to um, to attack the Canaanites, right? So, they're they're going into the promised land. <clears throat> so, the tribe, he, sa- he says the tribe of Judah. The tribe of Judah asked the tribe Simeon, Simeon to go and attack. They make an agreement. Hey, if you guys help us, we'll help you when it when you know whatever you guys are going to go take. So they attacked the Canaanites, and uh, Judah won against the Canaanites and the Perizzites, mm-hmm. something like that. Perizzites. Yep. So they attacked a town of Bezek, and the Adonai Bezek which was, I'm assuming, the king. He escaped but was captured. And they cut off his thumbs and his big toes. Right? And that Adonai Bezek says, you know, surely God has paid me back because 
he cut off all the thumbs and toes, big toes, of 70, of all 70 kings that he's conquered. When they ate the scraps off which, his floor, is it how he says which it. Which is where Justin can tell you about 70. Oh, yeah. 70. Symbolic number for all. So all of the kings that he conquered. And it actually says that the kings, like he made them, like, big for scraps underneath his table, which... That'd have to be a big table if it was actually the number 70. <laughs> and it'd be interesting if there was some polydactyly going on. Oh. They still had five. They like the rest of them, yeah. They still had five. Get it? Yeah. Okay, just making sure. <laughs> is, that, is that cool? Okay. Um, they went to Jerusalem and captured it. And while they were there, the Adonai Bezik guy died um i I don't really know why it was mentioned obviously kind of like how doug says stuff's mentioned for a reason but i have no idea why they would you know specify that he died there but um and judah killed all the people and set fire to the town to jerusalem then they went out to fight the canaanites in the hill country Caleb said, whoever takes Kareth Sefer, is that how you'd say that? Something to that effect? Your guess is as good as mine. Um, That he'll give his daughter in marriage. And (laughs) Athenial took the city, which is Ashes. Asha, I guess, would be, or Aksha would be the daughter, right? Mm -hmm. They're actually cousins. I just thought that was kind of funny. But back then, I guess that was kind of normal. Or if you're in the royal family in England, it's still right. They're safe because kissing cousins don't make 30 footers. True. True. Unless you You were already You know the bloodline. Unless you were already nothing. Right, right. So, but. It was Caleb's youngest brother's son who... Daughter. You know, well, no, it was his oh, daughter. Oh, you talking... Okay. And uh, the ethnial, whatever his name is, that was <laughs> the, the Caleb's youngest brother. Right? I'm bad with names, and, and especially these... I'm just a country boy, son. Okay? So, um, this says... Uh, when Judah left Jericho, the Kentites, who were descendants of Moses' father-in-law, traveled with them to the wilderness of Judah. Then Judah joined the Simeons again to fight the Canaanites like agreed. They first took Zephyth, then Gaza, Ash- Ashkelon, Ekron and the surrounding areas. And I'm assuming Gaza would be still like the Gaza Strip up in Israel. So, you know, possibly, you know, they're still, the Israelites are still, you know, they're still in that area. Um, well, they, we're talking we're talking about the promised land. Right. So this is, this is important. I'm going to jump back a little bit on what you started out yep. saying. And... Um, 
when we go back to where Judah's army asked some of the tribe of Simeon to help, right? The Lord had specifically said for Judah to, for Judah to do it, right? Right. So they asked Simeon, and this is, this is where you see the, the, the start of the degradation of, of uh, the lack of trust in God, right? We're seeing right. this right away here. You're starting to see Judah's not fully trusting God. They're going and asking for more. They're like, oh, you know what? Well, even Abraham and Aaron. You know, but the, well, or that, Moses, I'm sorry, Moses. You know, he was the one called, but he said, you know, he, he was a man of bad speech, yeah. and so they finally give him Aaron. But this is, and you, God, and they're his chosen people. You know, this is past the point where he says, you know, they are my allotment. This is right. my chosen. When we yeah. talk about Deuteronomy, right? And it talks about the fact that he says that Israel is his allotment. That's his inheritance. So we're past that point. So the Lord is over top of, um, you know, the Israelites. He's there. He's he's says he's going to fight with them. And actually, it says when you go back even further, when it says who should go to conquer the Canaanites, the Lord replied, Judah, for I have given them victory over the land. So first of all, God already said you're going to win. But he said you already won because I'm fighting with you. So that's a really important thing. I think that you talk you've talked about Ben before about David. If you already know God's right. promised you something. And it hasn't happened yet. And it hasn't happened yet. You know it's going to happen. You've got to have yeah. that brave, that faith. And that's where faith comes right. in. That's so important. So they go through that. But then you see Simeon. They, they ask the tribe of Simeon. And he, they already disobey. They're showing that lack of faith. Right? They still get. They still. God they st- still gives them victory. Right. Um, but they kill 10,000 Canaanites and Perizzites. Um, at that town of Bezek. And then you go a little further, and you said you went through all the different wars they went in. Right. But it says, now this right here, and the whole point was this is the chosen land. This is the land that was promised, right, to, to Abraham. This is the covenant. This is the promised land. This is the, low, the, the milk uh, and honey, the land flowing of milk and honey. This is where they're chosen. This is what they're given. This is their, this is their inheritance, right? So we see this. And we see that it says they failed to drive out the people living in the plains. Right. That's a remnant of of Canaan. Right. right? You still have the Canaanites there. And pretty interesting as as we go a little further. And Ben, I'll let you jump back in here in a second. But I think that it's really important to know and note this. But Caleb was given Hebron as a promise that Moses had made him. But the people who were living there included three of the sons of Anak. And if, if you've looked into this, if you looked into the Genesis 6 narrative and things of this nature that we talk about a lot as far as the giants and things like that, Anak is the father of the Anakim who were one of the races of giants in the land at that time. So we're talking right here. They're saying, they're blatantly saying that this is, there's three of those giants that when Caleb and Joshua came back, you know, with the other 10 spies, that they said there are giants in that land. You know, there are, there are. Right. But, and then, but Joshua and Caleb both had said, hey, but the Lord will give us victory. We can take them. The other 10 spies, not so much. We're like grasshoppers in their sight. Right. These are, these are the men they're talking about. The Anakim. This is some of the men. I shouldn't say this is all of them, but. And then you see right below that, Benjamin failed out to drive, the, drive yep. out the Jebusites from Israel. So they lived there together until this day, which is how it's written in the book. So they're intermingling. They're co-marrying. 
they're they're living oh, in that yeah. way where the Israelites that that bloodline that we talk about so often is getting corrupted. Is again. getting corrupted. The wheat and the tares. Exactly. Yeah. Go That's ahead. One ben. thing I thought was interesting oh, to back up. Where it talks about the, the chopping off of the, the thumbs and toes. Mm -hmm. In my commentary, it says that uh, this was a common practice for slaves taken in war. Because when uh, you need your big toes to be able to, to walk and balance and run. You can't and hold the, a sword exactly, without your thumbs. It disables them for future war. Mm -hmm. Yep. thought that was interesting. By what separates us from the rest of the animal kingdom? Yeah. Opposable yeah. thumbs. And then the word, uh, how, how far did you get down? What verse? I didn't write down the verse like uh, where I'm at. But we're right towards the end of two right now. Or right towards the end of one right now. Yeah. Well, i seen in verse 17. I'm at I'm, 21. Okay, in 17, the word it uses that uh, that's translated in our English Bibles as destruction is harim, which is the same word that God uses over and over again to basically devout or devout to destruction utter destruction every man woman child and it's mm -hmm. also a, a, a word for taboo right so oh yeah their order was to kill everything so yeah and that word is always when it talks about doing battle with the the nephilim giants and the giant clans that is always the command that God gives. It's devout, even killed the animals. Yeah, it was. They killed everything that was living. Or, or harim. Harim. Anyhow, so okay, so the tribe of Benjamin. It says they. However, they failed, and they didn't drive all the uh, Jeb Jebusites Jebusites yeah. out of that was living in Jerusalem, right? So they burnt the town. I'm, so I'm thinking these probably lived on the outskirts or after they've went through and and they, thinking Judah like left. A, thinking like they a real kinda, military man. Yeah, they kind of come back in, right? So, um, and like you're saying, they were supposed to kill off everything, right? And it says, so So to this day, the Jebulites, Jeb, whatever, Live live in Jeru Jerusalem among the people of Benjamin. So, like, you know, intermingling, whatever. All that stuff continues. Then it says, The descendants of Joseph attacked the town of Bethel. Scouts found the men, which is what you're talking about. Told them, or excuse me, told them how to get into the city. So his family was, you know, since the guy helped him, family was saved, uh, and later moved to hit height, hit tight territory, <laughs> and made a town that they he called Luz, which was the town that was what Bethel was called before they took it. And in so, my in my notes on twenty five, I just actually have a little thing yeah. here that I'd already done. Uh, but it said, without Joshua, they stopped enforcing Harim, which was the complete destruction of the corrupted bloodline of the Nephilim. Mm -hmm. That's how some escaped and came back. That is also why God told them not to take foreign wives to protect the bloodline of the coming king against the corrupted bloodline caused by the Nephilim. 
and you go if you, as you go on right here and what ben was alluding to it goes through each of the other tribes like manasseh and ephraim yep. and, yeah and it, Zebulon. it goes all the way through and they, they all fail and they all fail and they yep. end up either you keeping them as slaves or intermingling with them right. and you see that that canaanite blood becomes rife through there and if you look and God always says, you know, if we go back into um, Leviticus and Deuteronomy, you know, he's a he's a jealous God. He does not want them. You know, we do not worship, you know, other idols. And every time and he says, and you see this every time they're around a foreign power or foreign something, they're always they go back to these other gods. They go back to most of the time <clears throat> it's Baal and Asherah or Ashtoreth, whatever. There's there, there's it goes back to the same thing. And pretty crazy um when you really dive into this stuff how and we've talked a little bit about it before but a lot of the rituals and things that they would use because they believe Baal was pretty much the god of you know he was the god of fertility he was the god of the crops he was the god of all these different things so what they would do is they would try to call upon Baal to um copulate with his um with his consort, baby. with his consort, you know, being an astronaut. That goes back, don't it? That goes back Sorry. to the beginning. Very first one or Pre- second one. Pretty close. Yeah. But they call upon they would call upon Baal and Ashtoreth to copulate, because that was that copulation is what gave them the the um, the blessing basically. Fresh but the way that they would do rain. this was. Um, a ritualistic, uh, and I'm trying to think what was the exact wording, but it was a uh, um, sex ritual. It was, but they called it. I think it was. A, they just called it a sympathetic ritual. So what they would do is they'd go up in the mountains as close as they could get to the clouds because they want the gods to see them. And if you see that recurring theme, we've talked about this before: Garden of Eden being on a mountain, Tower right? of Babel, Tower Artificial of Babel, mountain. trying to get to the thing, but holy places, Moses. Right, he's on going the we're the, the mountain, yeah. we're the going up the mountain to the burning bush. We see this all the time that holy places are up high, so these people still using that but corrupting it, go up to the top of these mountains as close to the clouds as they they could, and they would have gigantic orgies, and these orgies were to show the gods, look, we want you to do this, because this is how we're going to be blessed. So they're using everything that they can to to. It's just ultimate, you know, when God always talks about how bad sexual immorality is that's one of the things even when we were back in acts and they say you know there's a few things you're not allowed to do don't eat the blood from strangled animals you know don't eat don't eat meat sacrificed to um idols and do and and do not or i said should say refrain from sexual immorality these are the things they're talking about this is what we need to stay away from so when you see this this was a, a common ritual. They even had prostitutes in their temples as part of their worship. Yeah, it was their job duty. That was that is what they did because that's what, I mean, so well, what, and I don't know how to say this the right way, but, you know, sex is a gift from God to marry couples, right? That's what it is. That's what it's given as. So when we take these things and, and take a gift from God, something that's beautiful, something that's given to us, and we corrupt it into a, 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 a pagan ritual. But on top of this, you're trying to do something supposedly to, to bring a blessing upon you. But what you're doing is you're self-indulging. They're doing things that 
you know, the flesh, the, uh, say the flesh, the flesh lusts after. This is not how we worship God. This is not how we worship anything. You can see how rife Satan is through all this stuff. And we talk about Baal and we can go back to some of the Derek Gilbert stuff and how he associates all these different entities that, I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty amazing. You should really go back and listen to that. But you can go through all that and see all these different connections. But when we see how blatant this, this sexual immorality and things are, and, and the, this is the stuff God's warning them against. He does not want them to get involved in this because he, he knows as soon as they start worshiping the gods and they start going down this, this path, they're going to start joining these rituals. They're going to start doing these other things. And this is, this is why God forebodes them to, to intermingle with these people. But if you see something, you're like, wow, honestly, uh, you know what? Sex is pretty awesome. So, and they, they do that as a religion. I mean, you could see how easy it would be for someone to stray away if they don't have God at the center of their life. Yeah, and well, in cult- cultural context with that, too, is that was basically demonic possession. They do this ritual, and supposedly the gods would embody them mm-hmm. and then they would do these sexual acts so it was physically them but it was you know the gods so they were giving pleasure in, in their mind to the gods and goddesses and when the male would spill his seed they were metaphorically hoping that the god would bless their seed which was their crops and how funny, you know, how Paul said, you know, they sacrifice uh, to gods that are not gods, that are demons. And the book of Enoch tells you that the disembodied spirits of the Nephilim are the demons. Well, what did the demons, when they were embodied on earth, do? They were driven by, you know, sexual immorality and, and gluttony and, and all these things. So, therefore, now that they don't have a body, they still wish to carry on with all these, you know, lustful acts and glutton and all these things. So when they get to embody a person, they're getting to live vicariously through that person. And we talk about that before is that you, you know, if you've ever seen someone who's truly possessed or, or, and, and there is different levels of that too, I believe. And you can see sometimes some things, um, and Vicki Joy always says it the best. I've told her that last time we talked to her. I said, you don't always have to, what she says is you don't always have to leave the door open. Sometimes you just leave the window open a crack. That's all they need. So, you know, when it's just a, it's a, it's a, it's a dangerous road when you leave yourself open to these types of things and you see it. And we see it in our culture today. You know, you, you can think and look around and look at what's happening in our society and, and all the different things that are going around. Every time we start saying, well, this is okay or this is okay, that's that, that window being cracked open a little bit more. We're allowing more and more things in. We're starting to allow things into our lives, into our kids' lives, into um, our families' lives that are over time because we're being slowly desensitized that we're, and this is kind of what, what God's warning about here. He's saying don't intermingle with those people because you're going to start going down that road. Solomon, prime example. Exactly, and then all of a sudden you're going to put uh, a, a temple, uh, or was, what did he put, what mountain was that? The, um, 
the Mount of Olives. Mount that of Olives. was over top of the holiest of holies. And he put the pagan temples right there for all his foreign wives because he was driven by lust. You see this. And that's the thing. I mean, a woman has an influence over the man. I mean, she does. You know, there's that joke, you know, the man might be the head of the house, but the woman's the neck that turns the head. There's some truth to that. And that's why it says, you know, your, your yoke must be evenly matched. You know, the yoke, that's the center part of the egg, you know, so that's, you know, your anchor. Your, your, the way I've always seen that is your innermost part, your faith, you know. So if you're a, a Christian man and you get with a woman that's, uh, let's say, Buddhist, just as an example, you know, you might have every intention to stay true in your faith, but that's the the woman you love and share a house with and kids with. She's going to have an influence on you and pull you, and, that, and that's what happened with Solomon. I've seen people convert to Judaism that way. I've seen people convert to um, Islam that way. I've seen that personally. Oh, yeah. And I, I know that this is this is the thing is that it be, you're – your um, love for that person. We say love for that person, but what that does is that supersedes your faith. As soon as you don't have God at the head of your faith, and I think I saw the, the coolest little um, diagram of this, and it was a triangle, and it showed God at the very top, the man on one side and the woman at the other, and it said the closer you are to God, the closer you both go to the point, the closer you are together. And I thought that was a really cool way of putting it. Because God has to be the center. God has to be at the top. And then everything else falls into place. But that relationship, exactly what you're talking about, when, and the way you know, it, it says that you know, a man or a woman leaves her father to marry another man, and the two become one. They become one flesh. The whole point is it's not that one is overbearing on the other or one is, you know, Hey, you have to do No, that's not how it works. It's a partnership. It's it's a it's a team. You come together. You're one flesh. You care mutual for each submission. other. It's mutual submission. You have different roles and that's in that thing. The man is a spiritual head of the household. Right? That's that's there's, the truth. There's actually a a study on that. I I don't remember the actual numbers, but it was if the 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 wife or the mother takes she's the spiritual leader. It was equal to if there was no spiritual leader in the house and the friend or the kid happened to go to church later in his life. That was the the percentage of that child to go to church, hmm. you know, like to be integrated in church as he was older. It, it was like a 20% chance. And it was the same as if the mother was the one taking the kids to church or if none of the parents were. But it was a 90% chance that the kids would stay in church if the father was the spiritual leader. Hmm. And if you look at it, who, who's the devil after? He's after the, the fathers, you know, well, the one and, thing and all that kind of stuff. And look and, at the and attack there, on toxic yeah, masculinity yeah, well, in everything. society. Yeah, I mean, know. you know, hey, women, you know, divorce, divorce your husbands, just have babies, we'll give you money. The government will, will, you know, will help you out. It's it's all the devil's plot of, well, if, if that's the true ratios, well, if we can get the man, the father, out of the house, he's already pretty much won. 
statistically. But this is this goes and that's in. just I mean, and it it's like the whole you know you got to be. It's so united. much deeper than that, though, because it even goes to the point where you talk about sex outside of marriage. When you start devaluing those things, oh yeah, and you 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 take those things for granted, and you don't. It's not the same. You don't have that same relationship. There's just so much that goes into this. And you're right. As you see the degradation of society and you see things kind of just getting worse, which as much as I know, you know, for all our kids, you know, we're worried about them for the future and things of that nature, even though we know things are going to get worse before they get better. We know they have to. It's just what it's just it's what's right. been written. It's what's prophesied. It's what's told. It, it says, as in the days of Noah. I mean, this is what's going to happen. And if in the days of Noah, only eight people were worth saving, that's kind of scary. But as we go down this road, I, we jumped way off. That was still, that was just, we were at the end of chapter one still. But anyway, it's just really important to look at these things and see what God's telling us in these things that the, like, it is so important to reach out, have friends in, in, in every walk of life, really try to reach them, be a blessing to them. But know when you start putting things like marriage and you're not marrying someone of, the, of, of similar beliefs or values, that you're endangering your own self, you're endangering your children in the future, you're endangering your own faith. And, and it's a scary road because you can see people pulled away because they don't have God at the center, at the forefront. So... Just a, a very important point that comes out of this. But on to chapter 2, and I think it's really important to see right here one of the Christophany. Christophany. Right? The angel of the Lord. And to prove that it's a Christophany, right, it says the angel of the Lord went up from Gilgal to Bochum. And said to the Israelites, I brought you out of Egypt unto this. I. Or, yeah, I, yeah, I brought you out of Egypt into this land, and I swore to give your ancestors, or that I swore to give your ancestors, and I said I would never break my covenant with you. And it's the I. If it's just an angel, Michael, Gabriel, they have no power to make promises. He's they're, not, they're messengers. And they, he's not saying he's God. I mean, right. Because this angel yeah, this of the Lord is, is saying he's I, God. I am. I And I think you. it's important, too, to back up for any back. new listeners we got that missed that Doug Van Dorn show mm. and don't even know what we're talking about here. That is very important. To understand the Angel of the Lord, Doug Van Dorn's book, Angel of the Lord, is a phenomenal book, but really jumps into all the different um, facets of different areas and, um, and potential places where we see Jesus in the Old Testament. We don't know him as Jesus, but we see part of God, part of that Trinity show up. It's all pointing to Jesus. It is pointing yep. to Jesus, and that's, that's where... Um, I think that that is such an important part of this. But I do, uh, now I just want your opinion on this. I think it's interesting. When it says he went up from Gilgal. Why was he in Gilgal? Well, see, I think he's referring to Gilgal Rephaim. And what's funny is when you backtrack and you dig with that, I got my notes right here. It says, 
This was the first encampment of the Israelites when they crossed the Jordan. This was the place of the twelve stones in Joshua chapter four and verse twenty. And it is the new gener this is where the new generation was circumcised, taken Passover, and set apart in covenant by the Lord in Joshua chapter five, verses one through twelve. And it was also the first place Joshua met the angel of the Lord in Joshua chapter five, verse thirteen through fifteen, before the battle of Jericho. This was showing his displeasure in these people and removing his presence from them, kind of like in Ezekiel 1. So the same generation that was circumcised and the new covenant was made at Gilgal, yep. this is the generation that is failing now, and he's come to visit them again. I just thought that was so cool. And seeing that, I just, that's really I've cool. often wondered if the 12 stones has something to do with Gilgal Rephaim, like the wheels. yeah. The, the big megalith uh, yeah, well, stone I know what you're structure. About, yeah, yeah. The, that would be interesting to see. But obviously if it was, most likely it was um, somehow corrupted. Added on to. Added on to and corrupted at some point. Um, or maybe potentially. And I don't know. I've seen that they show that little center chamber. I wonder if that, maybe that was even built around that or something at one time. Maybe to pinpoint the holy place or something. I don't know. I mean, there's that's there's a lot of mysteries behind Gilgal Raphaim and even its age or, you know, determination of that is still debated. But I just thought it was interesting that that's the place where they crossed the Jordan. Mm -hmm. It mentions the stacking of stones and then you have this huge megalith site right there. It could be X marks the spot on, hey, this is where. Yeah. This is this. I mean, who knows? Um, you know, we won't know till we get there, but it's fun to speculate. But uh, love looking into that. Uh, Man, I ain't even got to the second verse yet, and we're getting deep. I know. I so, love it. This is what I love yeah. about these things, though. So, you know, he he comes, and he's talking to him. You know, I brought you out of Egypt. I'm keeping my promise. And he, he says, but the, Israel, but the Israelites did not keep the, uh, their end of the deal. Mm -hmm. Since they did not do what he told them and drive slash kill all, you know, all the uh, yep, Canaanites. Canaanites out. Um, so what does he say? Instead, he'll make them thorns in their side. Oh, yeah. And their gods, this part's really, their gods will be a constant temptation to you. I mean, that right there is... And the they is the giant clans. Yes. Right, correct. Yeah, it's the I mean, clans that will see... David it. and Goliath and, and just and constant you, battle. And right, and if you remember in the first chapter, it says that the clans that they left, that, that the Israelites, they gained power, and they were able to enslave them, right? Mm -hmm. But we see it change. My name's Nick. I'm the owner of Kevlar Joe's and I'm the roaster. I'm an Air Force Security Forces veteran, a dad to three wild boys, and a husband to my wife, Crystal, and a coffee enthusiast. From a family in a small town in Missouri, we started with the simple idea of crafting a perfectly bold cup of coffee, inspired by wellness and countless pots of stale coffee while deployed, 
we wanted to craft a bold, clean, and smooth coffee. So we did. And we realized we wanted to share this coffee with our friends. Lord knows we could all use a good cup of coffee right about now. From the farm to your coffee cup, there's nothing like a good, well-crafted, and bold cup of coffee. No matter what time of the day, it's there to pick you up, motivate you, and relax you. We hope you enjoy our coffee. Be bold, be humble, be Kevlar. And you can find Kevlar Joe's Coffee Company anytime you want at www.kevlarjoe.com. And for listeners of the Dig Bible Podcast, use the code, all caps, DIG20, whenever you're checking out to get a 20% off discount. Enjoy. And after, you know, after they did all this stuff, Joshua died. You know, it says Joshua died and he lived 110 years. And after he died, the the people who seen God work, like he died, and it says that generation that was, like, brought up with him that were obviously younger, that kept going, you know, kept living after he died, um, they kind of kept following the rules. Um but the generation after them, once they all died, they didn't acknowledge the Lord or remembered what he had done for them. And it says, you know, the... They did evil in the Lord's sight. Right. They served the image of Baal and went after other gods of the people around them. Exactly as was forewarned. Right, they just start going to all. Oh, just the right, like they did again. And this happens. I mean, you look at it; it happened, you know, in the in the Exodus, you know, with the golden calf, things of that nature. They, it was so quick to turn, and we've talked about the possibilities of why that happens. You know, they didn't have the Holy Spirit in them, which actually we're kind of getting to a cool point um, here in a minute, which I think will be kind of cool. But they didn't have the Holy Spirit in them. Um, but. Uh, there's it's just it, it also points to the fact that these other you know we say lowercase g gods they had some power so they saw something things were happening things were changing around them that were dragging people that direction you know they they saw something that was tempting to them they saw something that they wanted to be a part of and it pulled them away and how often does that happen in our lives or we see oh, something that we know is not godly but it's tempting right and and we that we sin like that all the time, but these they're falling away to these other gods. So um, it says Baal and Ashtoreth. Yeah, and um, it says the Lord burned with anger. Mm-hmm. I mean, burned. And so so he let. So he didn't just let. Well, right. Well, yeah. He, he says he, he went handed in, them over. He said he went into battle, and the Lord fought against them. Yeah. Well, that yeah. But he, the raiders came and took all their possessions, and he turned them over to the enemies all around, and they were no longer able to resist them. Every time Israel went to battle, the Lord fought against them, mm-hmm. caused them to be defeated, just as he has, you know, he warned them, and the people were in great distress. So if you look at verse 16 there, it says, The Lord raised up judges who would rescue the people. However, whenever the judge died, the people returned to their corrupt ways. Just, and and we'll, it, it didn't even say their corrupt ways. It said they fell back into the evil ways, but even more than before. 
So it says they would just keep going. Like, it'd just get worse and worse. That's and the worse. that's the trick. Like, this is in my NLT. That's what it right. said. And so it just depends on the translation. But right. here, this is where, you know, we, we get the first actual talk of the judges. Um, right, yeah. In judges, right? And this is at the very end of Chapter 2. So we're going into chapter three and uh the holman commentary that i've used a little bit for this it's kind of interesting but it, it the the highlight of the what it says for judges three through 16 three seven through 1631 it calls the cycles because every time a judge comes up they're good they stay true to god until that judge dies and they fall away again and it happens over and over and over again and um I think it's kind of cool. Another quote from that Holman, that, uh, the Holman commentary I pulled up. It called the judges charismatic military leaders whom God raised up and empowered for certain tasks of deliverance. And I thought that was a cool way of saying it. When, and it says God empowered. Because if you go back to the very first judge um, was the, uh, Othniel that we talked about originally that married um, Caleb's daughter. Right. He's the very first judge. And it says that the that the spirit has it say it exactly. I want to say it the right way. It says. Right. Say, OK, here it goes. This is verse 10. It says the spirit of the Lord came upon him and he became Israel's judge. Now, we've talked about this a couple times and, and we're you know, we, we see different places about how like in Acts we talk about how the. The Holy Spirit came upon them. It was a wind, and then it was tongues of fire and things of this nature. And after that, you know, they would, the Holy Spirit would come upon people, you know, and, and they were baptized in the Spirit and things of this nature. We see it like crazy in the New Testament, but you don't see it a ton in the Old Testament. But it's saying the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. So he has the Holy Spirit in him. He has the power. He has the confidence. He has the, the things that God gives us with his holy spirit so he he had these the spirit of the lord with him which i mean when you've never had that before then all of a sudden you have that the confidence that you have to exude has to be amazing which would probably make you a very charismatic person which would make the people more likely to follow what you say and it goes back to to mark cooper that episode that we did with him where he talks about the five types of baptism mm -hmm. and one of them being the the holy spirit oh yes that's a that is a really good episode very um very enlightening uh his book is excellent the uh, um baptism of grace i i really recommend it and i think that you need to have an open mind and read it the church is very split on baptism and what that actually means and um you know everybody has their set ways in each denomination what's really important here there or wherever and i just I think that you really need to understand what baptism is, what happens, and uh, I think that's a good episode to dive into that. That's a side note, but very good episode, very good book to read. Um, but going back a little further back up, it says that God left nations in Canaan to test the Israelites who had not experienced the wars of Canaan. Remember, this is the generation after. They hadn't gone through the initial wars and things with Joshua and, and, and everything right. that when they were, came into the promised land. So it says they, he left them there. Basically, he gave them a bunch of practice dummies. 
say, hey, you're going to go out here and you're going to run some maneuvers on these guys. And we're going to this is going to teach you. It says it was to teach warfare to the generation of Israelites who had no experience in battle. And I mean, think about the struggles in our life, right? They're there to test us and prepare us for what's ahead because, you know, there's some things that we've never experienced. There's some things that we don't have that, um, that we haven't been through or, or, you know, one person's been through something, but you haven't been. But those things are there. God puts those in our place to strengthen us. God has these things. He doesn't necessarily always make every bad thing happen. I don't think he does that. But what he does is allow us with him, doesn't give us anything that we can't overcome. So I think that's just an important thing. He's always prepping us for something in our life. He's always trying to strengthen our faith, always push us to rely on him. And this is what he was doing with the Israelites at that point too. But the nations that he left, I think are interesting when we talk about this, the Philistines, right? And Philistines are probably one of the most, probably the Philistines and the Canaanites are probably the two that most people have the, heard the, the most bigger, of. Yeah. And bigger, yeah. tribes, I guess you'd call them. Sidonians, the Hivites, and um, then they lived among the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. So you have all these other nations that are still there in the land. And these are, what did we say before? These are the giant clans, right? We talked about this before. We saw the sons of Anak. Then we're talking about um, the Philistines. We're talking about uh, uh, Goliath, you know, at Gath. And Goliath's brothers. We we talk about that. I mean, if we ever get to <laughs> we ever get to that book of the Bible, if we ever get to the part where we're going through Samuel and we start seeing these other um, the, the struggles of David and, and what he went through. Was it five stones? Five stones, stones he yeah. picked up. Um, <clears throat> so which was symbolic for the word of God, the five books of the Torah. He killed him with the word of God. Well, I looked at it as he killed Goliath and he had more for his brothers. Yeah, we only had three, though. There's an extra in case he missed. I doubt it. Well, he'd have two extra. <laughs> Unless he had three brothers, that'd be four. But anyways, uh, the, side the, note. Yeah, that was from uh, That's where the Tim Stedman's from. book. Uh, yeah. His, what was it called again? Answers to Giant Answers Questions. To questions I yeah. thought that was pretty cool when I read that. That's a good one, too. I tell you, we could starting to sound like Amazon on here. But I tell you, there's been we gotta some good... we got to have him back. Well, well, I Tim, mean, we do gotta talk to Tim when we do Genesis. Yeah. I mean, he's been on Genesis for like a year, bro. Mm-hmm. He really dissects I think he's on chapter word. two now. <laughs> no, no, he's... his He dissects it. He's... his it, it, Just his uh, insight, his book is... If you want to learn on the giants, things of that nature, that's probably like the most complete collection... Uh, of of references and ideas and, and, and steps through Genesis, actually through a lot of the Old Testament talking about um, the giants. It's very interesting. It's a very good um, resource, and it's very well-researched, very well-researched. Uh, going further, we see they lived among all those, and of course, since they're living among them, what happens? Of course. They turn against the Lord, worship Baal, the Asherah poles, and the Lord hands them over to the enemy for eight years. Until, guess what? They cry out to the Lord, Lord's he- Lord hears them, and he raises a judge, Othniel, right? Raises a judge. The Spirit of the Lord came on him like we talked about, and he went to war against that king of Aram, 
And the Lord gave him victory over him, and there was peace for 40 years until he died. And this is that first of those cycles. We I talked about that happens. before. Once again. again. <laughs> and then the Lord gave them, once again, they fell into it. They did evil in the Lord's eyes. And as Ben said, it's just kind of a progressive thing where they're falling away. And, and, and the way that his translation read is it gets worse and worse. So he gave, the Lord gave the king Eglon of Moab control over Israel. Um, and he had control for 18 years. And then they cried out for the Lord to send another judge, uh, Ehud. Um, that story is... this. Some of this stuff, I mean, really, when you start reading through Judges, you start, this should be uh, rated R for the graphic violence and things that they talk about. I mean, it is, it's pretty amazing. So he fashions a dagger that's about a foot long, and he straps it to his inside thigh. And uh, he goes to talk to the, he goes to talk to the king with uh, a, a few people to pay tribute, you know, whatever. Then he walks back about halfway and decides he's going to come back to the, castle and tells the king he's got to tell him a secret right so king's like oh everybody leave <laughs> and as soon as everybody leaves he takes this dagger out from his inner thigh and it says he shoved it so far into his stomach that the handle went in My, mine says he brought tribute money to Iglon who was very fat it does say that <laughs> but that's kind of the point when he saw him up pushing the dagger and the ha- even the handle right. went in so it, I mean, it's, it's showing you very graphically how he died and, 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 and this thing. So what does he do? He locks the door and he escapes out the latrine is what it says in my translation. And then um, goes back, calls, brings a call of war. And the people are waiting outside the chamber where the king is thinking, ah, maybe he's on the toilet. You know, he's, he's hanging out in there. But guess what? They wait a while. They wait a while. Finally, they're like, something's wrong. They get a key. Go in, find him dead. Israelites come back and God gives them victory. So once again, you start seeing that when they, they cry to the Lord, they send a judge, you see Ehud comes. And actually for this time, uh, there was, what does it say? Um, I can't, I didn't see. I think that that's not even in chapter three. I have to get to that point, but where, how many years of, uh, uh, of peace there was i don't i don't think i got to that point which i thought it was interesting and i might be looking too deep into it i usually do that but how it was a double-edged sword well it was a dagger but yeah well i mean it, it yeah. specifically said that it was double-edged you know so the double-edged sword of truth you know the flaming sword you know but how it mentions that he was a left-handed man. Mm-hmm. Now, I started to take offense because I'm left-handed. <laughs> and you hear some people interpret, you know, well, the right hand is the strong hand, the hand of righteousness. You know, Jesus sits at the right hand, and left is symbolic for, you know, wicked or evil. But in my study notes here, it says that the left hand... This particularly distinguished many of the Benjamite tribe, but the original word is rendered in some versions both-handed. But I thought that was uh, ambidextrous. Yeah, yeah, ambidextrous. He was a switch hitter. He could yep. hit right or left-handed. There you go. 
I, I found it now. It says 80 years is how long there was peace after that. So um, I think that, you know, you see that, then things are going to fall off again. But and you see some of these judges. Yeah, it's we at have, the end of it. We have major judges years. and we have minor judges. And at the very end of Chapter 3, we see Shamgar becomes Israel's judge. And he was judge. I'm sorry. He was a judge. And he has uh, one verse. But he must have been, and he, it's kind of similar to I something that happens with Samson. But it says that he once killed 600 Philistines with an ox goad. I mean, that's pretty profound. I mean, it's one sentence. Yep. Or two sentences, I guess, because he once killed. But it's, it just, it's a pretty profound thing. They just shoved that in there. Here's a judge. He was there once. But I think the whole point is that we're seeing the repetition. We're seeing that the, the very beginning, and you even see this when you talked about that before, the fall, how each time things got worse, the yeah. judges slowly get worse over time. Because you see in the very beginning, the judges are all these very honorable judges, right? Right. You have um, Othniel, you have Ehud, you have Deborah, you have Barak. that are all very honorable judges. Then you kind of go to Gideon, who's still one of my favorites, but he's, he's kind of hesitant. He keeps questioning God. He wants signs. He wants these different things. And then you have kind of a gangster judge in uh, Jephthah. Uh, and then you have uh, the blatantly immoral judge of yeah. Samson. Yeah. So you see this, this decline, even in the quality, the moral character of the judges. So not only is Israel falling away, but the leaders, the people, if you have... And I mean, I don't want to use our country as an example, but oh, if but you have, far. but if you have leaders, put words together. <laughs> but if you have leaders who are very immoral or yeah. don't have good standards or or hold things that are ungodly as a precedent, then you start seeing a degradation with everybody around you. If you don't have a strong godly leader, then things start to fall away oh, further yeah. and further, and you see this as the judges slowly. You start seeing a degradation in the, the quality of character. And not did God still use them and still did amazing. Like through Samson, Samson's a great story. And it's one that we all heard as, as kids. But you hear. I oh, mean, he was so, what was, yeah. What, dri what drives Samson? Samson's lust for a Philistine woman, right? For Delilah. Yep. So his lust takes him away to the point where he even tells his secret of cutting his hair. But he still, in the end, dies because he asked God, just, hey, with my last breath, let me take him with me. Right. Let me take him with me. And when we get to strength, that part of the story, time. I got a song I want to share with everyone. You're going to sing for us? No, I'll probably just play it on my phone or something. I'd rather have you sing for us. Yeah, me okay, too. Okay, I'll sing it. I'll learn it on guitar. Let's do it. But for those that don't know, because I didn't know, I had to look it up. Uh, an ox goad. Do you all know what that is? Is that not the same kind of like a jawbone, or is that something different? It says that he slew 600 men with an ox goad. This instrument is eight feet long and about six inches in circumference. It is armed at the lesser end with a sharp prong for driving the cattle and on the other end with a small iron paddle for removing the clay which encumbers the plow in working. Such an instrument wielded by a strong man would would do no mean execution. We may suppose, however, for this notice is very fragmentary, that Shamgar 
was only the leader of a band of peasants who by means of such implements of labor as they could lay hold at the moment achieved the heroic exploit recorded. So basically they're just a bunch of farmers and they grabbed a tool that was laying around. Well, Militia. To, to that. It's kind of like your pitchfork. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, maybe they're associating that because of the what the item is that he had. But uh, you, Samson wasn't a uh, Samson wasn't a, a, a ox herder, but he used a jawbone. So I, I don't know if I necessarily buy that I think interpretation. I would say was. that. And, and the crazy thing is, if you look at this, and I think this is important. You think and, he and, chose it on purpose? Uh, I, it might have been the closest thing. You know, if, if someone breaks into your house, what are you going to grab? I mean, the closest thing to you. Well, I'm not talking to you, Ben. But uh, fire-breathing dragons and all sorts of things. Oh, yeah. But, uh, but honestly, the thing is, if, you're, if all of a sudden you get into a confrontation, you think about uh, Moses in Egypt. Now, he killed an Egyptian. Well, he had his bare hands. But you think about all of a sudden, you, it's a, sometimes he's, it's not like a planned thing. I don't think if you were planning to take out 600 Philistines, that would be the weapon you would pick up. I think it was a weapon of chance. I mean, I don't know because we really literally have those two verses that talk about yeah, that. Nothing else goes There's nothing else detail. to go with it. But, but I would say the, the interesting thing, and this is what really separates this part of the Bible apart and this part of Israelite history, is when you talk about the judges, they're God-appointed. This isn't like a bloodline of royalty. This isn't a, you know, each time someone comes about, it's not because they were the kid of the judge before. This is someone that's handpicked by God for a certain purpose. And there's a reason each one was put in that place. You know, when you get to Saul and you start going down, the, say, well, you get to David, but after that you get Solomon and you go down, you know, through that, that bloodline. Yeah, it's like a monarch. It is. It's a, it, it, you get into that monarchy after David. Right. But you go through and you see that, 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 that bloodline, and God uses that too, the way that he uses it, but you see that a lot of those kings aren't necessarily good people. Where in this case, each judge was raised for a purpose. And even though some were more, you know, maybe not, uh, I don't want to say corrupt, but they were not um, of the highest quality when you get to how serious they took their job of that type. Say Samson, you know, he's hanging out, just hanging out with this random girl. Hey, let's, you know. Well, getting drunk. And, and that's, the, that's the thing. Because it wasn't there like three things he wasn't allowed to do. He was drink, cut his hair, and something, something else. Uh, when we get to that point, but we'll talk remember. about it more. But just ultimately, you see that degradation over time. But and that you would still, be to keep his strength. But you still see that God used every one of them. They were put in place for a purpose. God picks everybody for a purpose. And I think it's important to see these judges. Not all these judges were perfect people. and they, I mean, none of them were. But you see that in the beginning, like I said, they were more noble. They were, they were really following God. They did exactly what he said. And then you see that 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 fall down as we get through this and it's really important to see that because god chooses each of us for something we're definitely not perfect maybe you have a dark past maybe something bad happened to you maybe you've been through things that nobody should ever have to go through but that doesn't mean god didn't pick you for a special purpose it's so important to remember that what yesterday is yesterday is gone it's done the future is what you do between you and god it's what happens and, and how you can make an effect on the people around you and how you can change people's lives. And as we always say, empty out hell and populate heaven. We want to keep on that track. 
God uses all of us for a purpose. He chooses all of us. He says before he even, uh, before uh, he knew you, even when you were in the womb, right? I mean, he knows, knows the hairs on your head. If he has enough time to count the hair, well, not the hairs on my head. That, that didn't take that long. I was going to say. The yeah. hairs on your head, Ben, if he's got the time for that, then he's, there's a purpose for you. There's a purpose for Justin. There's a purpose for me. And we all have to strive to understand that purpose, pray for that discernment so we know. And that goes the same for everybody out there listening. There's a purpose for you. There's something that you're meant to do that God has a plan in your life. You got to pray for him, ask for discernment, read his word, and you'll find out. Hey, guys, thanks for listening to the Dig Bible Podcast. Don't be like a county worker. Get in that hole and dig some. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and check out our YouTube channel. See ya.